Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. Welcome to Belonging, a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness. I'm Becca Piastrelli, your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection. As we explore topics like ancestral wisdom, cultivating meaningful sisterhood, living with the seasons and cycles of the earth in your body, and what it means to be a good ancestor. Hello there. Welcome back to Belonging, the podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here, and I'm giving you a little throwback episode today. So the day that this goes live actually is the first day of the retreat, the pilgrimage I'm guiding in Ireland. So send some good vibes my way across the lands and the waters because me and a really beautiful, courageous group of women are going deep on ancestral soils to celebrate the time of Bealtaine and the coming of the season of light and the great fire. So I wanted to give you an episode while I'm away. And so I've decided to share with you the audio from a video interview I did a year ago with my dear friend, Erin Duffy Oswald about moon gardening, which two words I love moon and gardening. It's really cool and kind of wild. And something after this interview, I got really into when I took her garden magic course, which not oddly enough, magically enough is open for enrollment. If you're listening to this, um, in sort of real time, registration closes Friday, May 3rd. So you can go to garden magic, garden, M A G I C K.com. If you're interested in this course, I took it. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not getting a cut. I'm telling you take this course. It is very powerful, but in this conversation I had with her a year ago, she was introducing me to this practice. I now very much have befriended and you'll hear in the interview, my resistance, you'll hear me being like, Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, my Western mind is overwhelmed or all of these different. My perfectionism is telling me that this is just going to be too hard. And you'll hear Aaron very gently and wisely beckoning me 
back to this ancestral practice of following the phases of the moon. So in this conversation, we talk about how she began her lunar devotional practice many years ago, why she calls herself a hedge witch, how she structures her day around the zodiac sign the moon is in. So not just her gardening, but her household um, chores and activities, how she brings the magic into the mundane. She breaks down moon gardening from basic to complex, including like when the, what phases, what phases the moon is in and what activities you could do in those phases. And the most cherished ritual she does every year with the offering of her first fruit to the land. Erin is so cool. I really, really like her. I really like what she has to say. She's real deal. So she's a certified earth medicine practitioner who writes about reclaiming ancestral ways, including gardening methods at her blog, the telling of the bees, the telling of the And she's been an urban homesteader for over two decades. So she's honed her wisdom through electing by the moon along the way. She has a healing practice called Wild Rose Earth Medicine, and she specializes in utilizing shamanic techniques. She teaches women seeking to reclaim their birthright of natural wisdom, how to synergize moon medicine and altar devotion as they heal and grow into lives of conscious creation. Uh, and you can check her out on Instagram. Talks to Bees is her name on Instagram. She also identifies as a Celtic woman, so we weave in that ancestral wisdom, that knowledge and understanding and reclaiming that we're doing as women who live here on stolen land on Turtle Island and also connecting to the ways of our ancestors in the old country on the British Isles and Ireland of the Celtic tribe. So we're trying to be good ancestors now and we're trying to reconnect to the earth in the ways that we can. Again, I highly recommend her garden magic course, gardenmagic.com, which registration closes May 3rd. And I welcome you to deepen into this conversation we have together. So without further ado, this is Moon Gardening with Erin Duffy Oswald. Hello, everybody. It's Becca Piastrelli here coming to you with another video post. I'm really loving being on video, guys. And I'm really loving introducing you to these really cool, grounded, earthy, um, progressive people that I come across in my life and wanting to introduce you to them and have these juicy conversations where they can fill in the places that I can't myself. So today, I'm introducing you to Erin Duffy Oswald. And Erin Duffy Oswald is a witch and an earth medicine practitioner. And she lives up north in Great Falls, Montana, along the Missouri River. Erin identifies as Celtic and Irish, which I have a part of me that identifies Celtic as well. And she and her friend, Carrie Jordan, reached out to me for their... Celtic Ancestral Summit, which was about healing ancestral wounds and talking about decolonization around the time of St. Patrick's Day. And we got on a call, a Zoom call like this, and it was so enlivening. You know, when you talk to someone and your whole body is like, I think I love you, or I knew you, or like, hi, are we family? Like, it was just such a fun important conversation. We both actually have a teacher in common, Rain Crow, who teaches this really important course called The Burning Times Never Ended. So we really jammed on being 
white women, women of European descent who are trying to be good ancestors here on this land and decolonize our earth practices while also being deeply rooted to the earth and living here on occupied lands. So the cool thing about Erin, one of many cool things, is that she's deeply devoted to the moon. And she has some pretty amazing practices that she incorporates, including with her gardening practice. So I invited Erin on to chat with me more about this. So without further ado, I'll shut up. Hi, Erin. Thanks for being here. Hi, Becca. Thank you for that awesome introduction. And it is so fantastic to be here. And thank you for inviting me to talk with you and to talk with your uh, audience a little bit about my lunar practice and all the different ways that I incorporate the magical and the mundane in my daily living. I love that, the magical and the mundane. Okay, so first of all, something I want to share that you gave to me, like a gift I felt from you, is I remember the last time we were on a call, I was like, I'm sorry I'm asking about the weather, but how's the weather up there? And you were like, I love talking about the weather. Talking about the weather is really important. And I realized like this whole like, oh, talking about the weather is so surface level is like not true. It's actually super grounding into your land. So I just want to presence the weather where I am in California is warm and sunny, high 70s, flowers are blooming. I'm a little sunburnt. And Erin, how's the weather up there? The weather up here is a little bit all over the place. It's certainly not feeling like the beginning of April. I woke up to three degrees this morning and a nice soft blanket of snow all over everything. And uh, we just heard some snow falling off the roof because it's warming up, but just in time for another fresh blanket of snow tonight. So very cold and wintry up here. The moisture is a blessing. We certainly need that. Um, I live on, uh, in the high mountain desert, so we certainly want to have as much moisture as possible, and I hope it melts slowly and mitigates some of the potential fire disaster that we could have again this summer. But the cold can end any time. Yeah, you're, you're ready for that, totally. Yeah. yeah. I just want to know what it feels like to be warm again. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, see, that's yeah. ancestral. That's ancestral right there. Like, absolutely. Will, will the sun come? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, I'd also love to know, just because we both really feel a connection with the ancestors and that informs our earth work, earth-based work, who are your people? My people, my people are primarily from what we consider the modern British Isles um, and Ireland. And also I have some Prussian ancestry that has kind of newly been discovered. But I'm a Northern, Northern European chick, basically, more, more or less. Yeah, I was raised in an Irish household with a mm. side of English. Don't tell anybody. that's kind of how it was but yeah so I um as as we um talked about in our call before I identify as a Celtic woman yes Mm -hmm. Mm, me too me too yeah okay so I'd love to know what your relationship with the moon is and perhaps a little bit of an origin story around how that developed and what it looks Mm -hmm. like 
now, what, how, whatever feels true and wants to move through now. Yeah. Well, the moon has always been ever present in my life. I have some of my earliest memories are looking at the moon and seeing, I used to see three people in the moon, like a family in the moon when I was a little kid and just was captivated by it. And then I remember being perplexed in my adolescence, like, why isn't it always in the same place? And how come it moves? And what's going on? And people would talk about, they could look at the moon and they would know what phase it was. And I thought that was just absolutely impossible. And then just on my spiritual journey, as I started putting it all together, I I was born a witch, I just didn't know it. And so it was this process of discovery and going, oh, kind of like, duh, obviously. And so I started doing my astrology. I've been studying astrology for a long, long time. And my moon is placed in Cancer. So that's very uh, much like the native placement for the moon. And it just comes so naturally to me. And then once I understood what witches do, which is follow the moon, I was like, oh, okay, this is all beginning to paint a very clear picture to me and I found like I or I felt like I had found my home like I had come back to this place of deep knowing that was my birthright and it was so elegant the system of working with the moon and I think it was had this aha moment I'm I'm in my childhood home I'm in my family home which is my home today so I was in my backyard I think I was about 20 years old. I was sitting under a tree and I remembered or I was reading and I, I it was something about how the sun is the masculine force and the moon is the, the feminine receptive force, the projective and the receptive. And it was just so elegant. And it was like yin and yang and positive and negative. And it just all made sense. And it was right before my very eyes. Mm-hmm. So having been raised in a Catholic faith, I was always taught, you just have to have faith. You just have to believe. And what was so wonderful to me was when I learned about natural wisdom and this birthright of mine, I didn't necessarily have to have faith. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was, it was literally right there before me to witness for myself. So when I applied learning the Zodiac to that, it was just kind of like, it expanded so broadly that wheel, learning that wheel and literally all of the esoteric wisdom that we could ever wish to know is contained right there in that system. Mm. So I just kind of latched on to learning as much as I could in a very organic and gentle process. And then what really changed changed for me was when I began a lunar devotion practice Um, And there's many, many ways to do this, but because the moon moves in and out of signs every two and a half days, it gives us the opportunity to immerse ourselves almost in a meditation with each shift in signs. So in 29 and a half days, you can go through the entire zodiac and really meditate upon the qualities of each one of those signs in the zodiac. And then, of course, when you apply that knowledge with what's going on in the moon phase, whether it's waxing or waning or where it's at in terms of, you know, the quarter moons are going to bring up a different energy, etc. It's just really rich and it's just so simple. And I don't need to 
pack a book around or anything like it's knowledge I carry in my bones, you know? And so once I learned that, it's just, um, it started to inform everything about my life. I was newly married, I think, when I started to learn this. And honestly, I was looking for ways to make householding less drudgery and less treachery. So I, I think it was in one of my almanacs, they were talking about, you know, the best day to wash your clothes is when the moon is in Scorpio because it gets the dirt out. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. So how can I keep on organizing my life this way? Because I'm a little bit, I won't say scattered, but I have a lot of thoughts going on all the time. So using the moon just kind of helps me organize things. I don't have to keep a mental list of that. I just know that I'm going to hit these things and do these chores and practice this magic when the moon is in this sign or in this phase and so on. So I've just spent the last couple of decades kind of collecting all those tidbits and learning about how to put them into practical use. I'm very big on practical magic. I'm not a ceremonialist. There's a reason I'm not a Catholic anymore. I'm a hedge witch. It's real, like, whatever is moving me in the moment. But I would say there is a foundation, and it is absolutely my lunar practice and the zodiac, without question. Mm. So good. So good. Okay. So I have like a lot of questions for you. <laughs> okay. And I'm hoping I can like speak for the audience here who might have some questions. So first of all, what is a hedge witch? <laughs> a hedge witch. You know, I'm not entirely sure where this word came from, but I, it seems to be located kind of like in Great Britain, and it was relatively recently introduced to me. The reason I identify that way is because a hedge witch, witch kind of, let's see, she would live on the edge of town, past the hedge, past the enclosure of the city, and that was also a metaphor because she was a hedge writer meaning she, in a shamanic capacity, travels between the worlds. And I do an, a lot of shamanic healing work. That's another big part of my earth medicine. I travel in and out of world, worlds a lot. Maybe when I say I'm scattered, I'm just like in a few wor worlds. Um, mm -hmm. That could be to the point. And I don't worship a particular pantheon. And I don't follow strict ceremonial or ritual rules. Um, I think that's a big distinction for people who identify as hedge witches, that it's not anything goes. It's just we aren't, we aren't adhering to strict magical systems necessarily, and we work with plant magic. And plants are people too, is what I like to say. <laughs> so when I was reading these descriptions, it was just kind of like, ding, ding, ding. All of these things resonate with me. And I liked the hedge writer part, I think, most of all, because I've tried to marry those two parts of myself, the shamanic practitioner and the witchy part, for a really long time. I and mean, they have a natural proclivity together, but when I saw that other people had kind of arranged that already, it felt like it, it connected to some tradition that I have a right to claim because I am of British descent. And so I went with that. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for that explanation. It, the term resonates with me as well. 
particularly with, I mean, connection to plants, but also with this idea of being able just sort of not like being an outsider, but sort of like being connected to like the real world and like other world and being like that bridge, that hedge rider you're saying that feels really important um, Mm -hmm. or really resonant, not important, really resonant to me. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. So now I want to talk about the Zodiac because I personally have a hard time with the Zodiac. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is like, the perfectionism of capitalism making me want to like learn it now and know it now. And I love how you said it's like, it's been met. You've been working on it for a long time and also it's like integrated into your bones. But I wanted to tell a story first, which is I had a podcast. It's still available called the lunar lab with my friend, Maya toll, who's an herbalist um, in Asheville. And the original reason we started the podcast was because we were trying this approach called biodynamic business, biodynamicism, which is Rudolf Steiner is this whole idea of um, it's started with agriculture, which is tending to the earth astrologically Mm -hmm. and seasonally. And so Maya had been my original teacher in this whole idea that the moon every two and a half days, this is the moon, (laughs) moves through a new sign, a new constellation, a new thing, the Zodiac. And that to me was first like the, aha, right. The moon is 28, 29 days in its phase. And of of course it's like moving through a sign. And then each sign had an element associated to it, earth, fire, water, wind. And so Maya and I came up with this system, which was uh, we would run our businesses based on the, element of the sign the moon was in that day so like fire was creation days and like water was reflection days i actually don't even remember what oh earth was like business system days um and i forget what wind was oh probably like talking connecting Mm -hmm. communication days but i we really struggled and we ended up totally bailing because it felt restrictive And perhaps I'm now realizing talking to you, we had sort of an idea of what doing business should look like with the week structure, you know, like Monday through Friday. And so putting this, it almost felt for us, and this could be like where our moon is or what kind of people we are, like our family of origin, the way we were programmed. It just felt like us, like we couldn't fall into place. And so we ended up totally bailing and just made it a podcast about talking about business. But a lot of people who listen have implemented that. We have one person who is a music teacher who does her lesson planning by the phases of the moon. And so when I heard that you have this lunar devotion, according to the Zodiac sign, I was like, that is so cool. And I'm already overwhelmed. So maybe just given what I shared about my own practice, which was not, it didn't, I, it took two weeks and I bailed. So maybe I just needed to stick with it. Like, what do you have to share or respond with to that, to someone who would say that? I would say that sounds like a normal reaction. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about having a lunar practice, it's relentless. It's I mean, time is relentless. That sounds like so obvious, but the moon rules the calendar. 
So when I'm like marrying myself in a way to time, it's almost like to use an astrological illusion, Saturn is the time Lord. I'm sort of like taking this Saturnarian approach to my devotion and saying like, I'm going to do this. This will be my legacy and I'm willing to, to work at it. It takes a lot of work because time flies. And so if I'm not keeping up on it, I, I lose track, you know, I can kind of like go, well, I know five days ago, the moon was in this sign. Okay. So we're now here, but that's just after all of these years of doing that. One question I had for you, because I do love old Rudy. I'm definitely a fan of the theosophists, but he, they used a heliocentric versus a geocentric method and that's something I wanted to bring up. Oh. So I'm wondering if, depending on what you were, if you were going with the heliocentric method, that's sun-centered. And when this is a, a tricky thing with regards to moon gardening, because some people do their biodynamic gardening, they would say it can only be done with the heliocentric model. I follow a geocentric model because I'm on the yeah. So a heliocentric model is that it's centered around the sun and the geocentric is that it's centered around the earth. So I can't speak to it like it's kind of complex and I don't know it very well. But you'll notice if you're looking at a biodynamic calendar for moon gardening or lunar gardening, um, particularly like if you look at the ones in England, they seem to all be on the heliocentric model. It's the moon signs not in the same sign as the rest of us think it is. It's, I can't remember if it's, if it lags a day or two or if it's, but it's just not on right. And I didn't understand what was going on. I would be looking stuff up and I, and they would be saying that the moon was in a different sign than it was in, according to my trusty almanacs. Do you use Wee Moon? Mm-hmm. I love that? Wee Moon. Is we That's geocentric. That's geocentric. Yeah. The it's only like, time I ever encountered it was when I was looking for different information about moon gardening, and I kept getting it. wasn't jiving. I'm like, what is going on here? I know it's the same day in England. <laughs> like, it might, we might, it might be just like a few hours off. But um, yeah. Hmm. So that there's a difference, and I can't. I I think it has to do with. They're saying that the sun's rays are coming to the plant, so that's the energy that we privilege. I don't even understand, so that's too complicated for me. I just stick with the geocentric model because I'm here on Earth, and so are all of my plants. <laughs> mm. That was my thing. So, just wondering if that might be that might have something to do with it. Um, when I teach moon gardening, I do break it down into the elemental parts and do it by each element because I think that's a really nice way to organize the information in our brain. But there's so many extra flavors that you get when you add the zodiac to it. And differences, subtle differences that matter because, for example, Virgo is an earth sign and earth signs are typically considered fertile, but Virgo is barren and you don't want to plant on that day oh. I would say with rare exception so that's why I like those extra flavor crystals as I call them 
basically just blew my mind with the heliocentric versus geocentric, especially because, yeah, heliocentric does not resonate with me at all. And I'm wondering if, yeah, I could just like energetically shift, reframe the way in which I was approaching and perhaps the information will integrate into my system better because of it. Possibly. It could be. And I know, like, for example, are you familiar with the German uh, skincare company, Dr. Hauschka? Oh, yeah. Love Dr. Hauschka. They have an amazing biodynamic garden. And the reason, I mean, the, the Germans have really done extraordinary things when it comes to herbalism and the preservation of herbs. And they use a completely bio biodynamic practice in this heliocentric way, you know, and it's, that's working for them and working quite well. So certainly, you know, it has its applications, I think, but for, for my purposes, it just didn't resonate, you know? Yeah. Sounds like it didn't resonate for you either. Yeah. Yeah, Not in that way. Not in that way. But, but I think the, the, the core desire within me is lunar devotion. And I love the way you say devotion. I love the way you did not mince words like, yeah, Becca, it's work, but it's like, this is my legacy. I was like, "Bing, got it. Got it. Cool. I'm into that because that's, that's a desire of mine is to feel in flow with her and Mm -hmm. in honoring of her. And so I think for anyone who's listening, who perhaps just got really confused by everything we just said, which is possible let's start with just like living like today, the day of the recording today is what April 3rd. Mm -hmm. Like how are you devoting yourself to the moon today? Okay. Yeah. So the moon is in Scorpio right now. It's void of course. And void of course is I think an interesting topic because what that means is that the moon has made its last significant aspect before it's going to switch signs. And there is an astrologer from Southern Oregon. Her name is Dana Gerhardt. And I have learned quite a lot from her. And the way she describes Void of Course is that the moon has gone into her dressing room and she's putting on a new costume for the next sign of the zodiac. So moon and Scorpio, we're in the, just past, we're in the waning gibbous cycle. So this is a really awesome time. Scorpio will like give you an edge to do your dirty work. So it's, and the waning moon also is a great time for release. So I'm using these two energies to tie up loose ends. I'm doing some emotional clearing, some emotional release, and I'm not initiating anything new because I'm going to wait until the moon goes into Sagittarius before I do that. Things that are begun when the moon is void, of course, don't necessarily wind up turning out the way you intended them to. That can be used to your advantage. So is there something you don't want to do? Maybe you can plan it for when the moon is void and it might not happen. (laughs) Oh, I see. see. (laughs) Nothing is good or bad. It's just all about understanding the energy and how you want to work with it. So that's how I'm working with the moon today. Awesome. That's great. So let's, can we take it one step further and approach it to gardening? Because the whole reason I want to talk about gardening is because 
you have this Facebook group called Moon Gardening. And when I heard those two words combined, I was like, excuse me, that sounds like everything I've ever wanted in my life. <laughs> and we're in spring, various various expressions of it, depending on where we live, but we're thinking about planting and we're thinking about like cultivating and growing and thinking about what it is we'd want to harvest in the autumn and all of that. We're thinking about our plants. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm in this Facebook group and you pop in these little tips about like when it's good to plant and, or when it's good to prune. And I have been approaching my gardening much more like I've zoomed out. It's much more seasonal. Like I was like, oh, you only prune, you prune before the energy starts moving up again. So if you missed pruning around the solstice, like once, once we hit like in bulk, like you're screwed. I was, I was in these sort of absolutes and I was desiring like deeper connection and biodynamicism was making me feel crazy as we just discussed. So I'd love for you to share whatever, again, wants to come through right now about what moon gardening is and how, how you feel about it. Absolutely. So as I've kind of been mentioning, this is a devotional practice. And my garden is a complete hobby. I don't subsist off of it. I don't rely on it. I do it for fun. So that is the first thing. Like my ancestors were farmers and their lives depended on it. So in addition to it being a hobby, it's a part of my spiritual devotion to honor the ancestors. I consider it a giant offering to the land where I live. And it is a moving meditation for me to incorporate all of the the zodiac information and the the lunar information and then to organize my gardening chores around that it's it's elegant in the absolute definition of that word it's the most elegant system that i can find because elegance actually is a scientific term it's the most perfect solution for a problem Mm. so to me it just organizes my chores and it's It does teach me about the importance of seizing the moment. It also teaches me about creativity because I do live a modern life and I can't always, you know, hit each mark. So if I don't get to plant in that first quarter cancer moon, what's the next best thing that I can utilize? So Mm -hmm. it teaches me to be resourceful and creative And um, as we were talking about when we started our conversation, I live in a zone four climate. My last frost date is May 15th. So it's a labor of love to do this. And it just, this process deepens that love. And it just, it gave me the, the framework that I needed and taught me also how to garden. Because if you are organizing your chores this way, You'll, you will be enlightened to things that you might not have thought about. Like, you know, I think a lot of people are planters and not really gardeners. Uh-huh. They get really turned on by planting seeds and watching them grow. But there's a lot that goes into actually harvesting. And I'm a ceramicist also, and there's this saying that God loves um, little children and beginners because their work never blows up. And... Um, <laughs> 
kind of true. Like the more you know about ceramics, the more your work starts to blow up in the kiln. Um, and with gardening, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I just I kind of started on a lark and the first house I lived in had six feet of topsoil. So I thought, oh, this is like so easy, you know, and as I've gone on each year, I've had to learn. I've had one major huge discovery every year that has been born out of massive loss. So, um, yeah, the moon gardening just, it, it kind of keeps me zen about it because I'm not just harvesting the crops. I'm harvesting the lessons. And I really do. I mean, all of my teaching and all of my allegories are based on this agrarian model of life, death, and rebirth. And the garden is where it's at. It's where I can take my theory and put it into practice. Beautiful. I agree. Every year, um, yeah, massive loss leads to the greatest lessons and I'm harvesting lessons along with crops and well, I wouldn't even call them crops with like hobby growth that I'm just like treasure. That was so amazing, but it's about the process. Okay. So this has me so excited to get my moon gardening on and be patient with myself because it's all about a devotional practice. So like, let's give our peeps, some people who are like me wanting to dive in some practical moon gardening advice as we enter into spring. What can you tell them? All right. So you can make this as complicated or as simple as you desire. And starting on the more simple end of things, the moon waxes and it wanes. So we want to plant our above ground crops when the moon is waxing and our root crops, our below ground crops, or anything that needs a strong root system when the moon is waning. So, mm. And we want to rest during the last quarter. That's very important. So that's a time when we kind of refrain from doing anything except for kind of the maintenance that goes into taking care of our garden tools or making a plan or buying what you need to amend your soil in that last quarter of the moon. So I always really recommend not neglecting that step because rest makes it all the more sweet when you return to it. So if you want to get a little more complicated than that, in the interest of time, I won't get too deep into this, but, you know, the first quarter moon is a time where we want to plant things that we use the leaves and stems for. Um, the second quarter moon is when we want to plant things that produce fruits with seeds inside that we eat, or not the seeds that we eat, but the fruit we eat. And then fourth quarter moon, or sorry, the third quarter moon from the full moon to the fourth quarter is when... We are going to plant below ground crops like potatoes, carrots, radishes, onions. And that's where it gets fun to marry the zodiac sign with the moon phase. Because in, my, in our group today on Facebook, I was talking about how the moon's in Scorpio and we want to refrain from planting our root crops. Because obviously, if you think about what would happen to a root crop if it was submerged in water, you don't want too much water around that. We want earthy signs for root crops, but with the, there are always exceptions, just like the English language, and those exceptions are fun. So Sagittarius, fiery, hot, 
that's a great time to plant your alliums, like your onions. So that's a below ground crop that you will want to plant starting tomorrow. And then it's just beautiful the way this works it, when you start to, to roll your planting out this way, because right after that comes your opportunity to do your beets and your carrots and your potatoes when the moon is in Capricorn just after Sagittarius. And then we'll be getting into the fourth quarter where we won't want to be planting anyway. And the moon will be in Aquarius, which isn't so hot for planting. Air signs are better with the exception of Libra, which is when we want to plant our flowers. But air signs are great for harvesting. So maybe that would be the time to harvest. But, you know, it's so logical. Think about how when you want something to, to be able to be stored and preserve it, you want to pick it in ideal conditions, in dry conditions. We don't harvest with the morning dew on our plants necessarily. You know, it's just, it's elegant, as I said, the way you can start to just logically understand this. So that's a real crash course in the basic, basic, basics. And then, of course, if you... Yeah, as I said, you want to add the zodiac to it and get a little more nuanced. But there is a time for everything. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. And I'm sounding like I'm quoting the Bible right now, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. There is, there is a time that's going to be more or less suited to any of those activities. And then, of course, you know, we live busy lives, so we do our best. And we live in the modern age, so again... Not everyone can elect to do this perfectly, but I find that just any added intention really enriches the process for me. Mm. And those who I talk to who do this, they, they agree that it just, it's one more layer. I mean, you can get really, really cheesy with all of the gardening allegories, but it's very nourishing. It's sort of like, it amends the, my soul to do this. It, it fuels me because sometimes it's just a lot of work. Sometimes gardening is just a lot of work. But this just allows me to put that work into a deeper and more full service for myself, for my soul. And as I said, I really do grow it as an offering to the land where I live. I live in a really urban neighborhood. I live downtown, and it's just a concrete jungle. I have this little tiny urban garden, and I get so much wildlife and insects and animals, and I just, I know that, that they appreciate it. So mm -hmm. I do it. I do it for them, and I do it for the occasional crops I get. <laughs> I'm all about trying to increase my yield this year. Yeah, that, I'm so connected to what you're saying about I'm touching my heart too, like about the just like the deep joy and satisfaction it gives me, and the, particularly the work piece. Um, I used to really complain about like getting dirt under my fingernails or not being able to wash off dirt, and like my knees were hurting and stuff. This is like way back when I just started gardening, and it's really come to me this devotional practicing again of just like. I too come from agrarian ancestors. Most of us do, if not all of us that had to like subsist on the crops they grew. And they were like these original earth-based pagan holidays were all around like how like blessings for the earth, for the seeds and like the first, like the flowers of spring and Beltane and like the fertility of the earth and then celebrating the crops and all this 
all this stuff really integrates into me, even when I'm like tending to my little sage or chive or strawberry plants. It's this like gratitude that I do live in a modern age and I don't need to do that. And also like a grounding into returning to that place of being in partnership with the soil, with the earth, with the elements. And um, I'm always looking for ways to strengthen that connection Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't involve, you know, like miracle grow and, you know, like that can really, my next phase is to get super confident in seed saving. Mm -hmm. That's an area where I get really nervous and like my colonized brain has a block and goes like, I don't know how, uh," you know, instead of like just devotionally getting in there. And I'm wondering if just syncing myself with the moon phase can get me more in relationship where I can trust myself to figure it out. Absolutely. Yes. Something I want to add to everyone's consciousness to think about. One of the most cherished rituals that I get to do every year is I offer my first fruits of the garden to the earth and sometimes I'll take it to the river and I'll I'll kind of make an elaborate sculpture and leave it there but it actually feels it feels like a sacrifice and I think that's what makes it very powerful because you know I've babied this plant and I've nurtured it and here is this beautiful tomato but I am not going to partake of that first fruit I'm going to offer it back to the earth and I think it's this is the the most I'm trying to find the right word like this is where I find that I can do something as a colonizer living on land that is not my own to be in direct relationship with the land itself mm-hmm. and I have a relationship with this land and the spirits of the land and I are on good terms and that you know that's information that's been given to me by my shamanic practitioner who works on my behalf. And I ask her frequently, like, am I still in good standing with the spirits of the land? She's like, they, they look at you and they say, she can stay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're doing all right then. <laughs> yeah. That's a beautiful practice. Thank you for sharing that. I can feel the, like, the sacrifice of that the feeling of that miracle of that first fruit and the ripening of it. And then just being like, this is for you land spirits. This is for you animals. This is for you fairies. This is for you. All of it. Just trees. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love making offerings. So the truth is that is the most sacred and special offering that I can make, but definitely it's, it gives me all the feels and that's where the best magic happens. Yeah. Well, Erin, this time went quick, as always. I could talk to you forever and probably will, guys, because she's the coolest. (laughs) But thank you so much for sharing this. It's so juicy, and I bet people are like, I need to know more. So tell peeps where they can find out more from you because it's totally available. Absolutely. Um, I think the quickest way to direct you all to my world and to my circles is through Instagram. I'm talks to bees on Instagram and in my link tree, I've got links to my 
free Facebook groups, the Moon Gardening Group, and then Sisters of the Silver Wheel, where we work on our lunar devotion. And then you can go to my website and learn more about me. But that's probably the best way. Come on over. We're just really getting started with the growing season. We have a budding little group right now. And we are hopefully, I'm hoping we can all brag about our bumper crops in September. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm in those groups and I hope to be bragging (laughs) too. Well, whatever happens is meant to happen and the lessons I will harvest along with the crops. Absolutely. Erin, thank you so much for chatting with me. You are such a delight. You are such a magical being. And I'm so grateful to have been able to talk to you and share your wisdom. And thank you for your time. I know it's sacred. Oh, Becca, thank you. It's been my pleasure and my honor to be here today and speaking with you and hopefully passing on some good gems to other people to just remember that that birthright of your natural wisdom is all around you. And look up at that grandmother moon and remember those moon rays are for you to get in touch with that sacred knowing and sacred wisdom. All right, guys. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.